You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Hello, Scott. I'm in San Francisco and you're in New York. You, they have a big, giant – I'm going to put this on the internets – picture of you above my head. It's like a giant head, like the Apple commercial kind of Yeah. Thing. Well, remember, I'm a Mac, you're a PC, that, that whole thing. <laughs> what are you? Are you a Mac or a PC? Oh, no. I'm the Palm Pilot that never got launched. Um, <laughs> What am I? They showed that off at Code, our version of Code, many years ago. I'm an oi- We all knew it was a dud right from the start, yeah, like I'm, immediately. I'm the foldable phone. Uh, yeah. Shit, I don't know. What, what tech would you be? If you were tech, what would you be? What would I be if I were tech? I'm AirPods. AirPods, nice. AirPods. Yeah, that's nice. Everybody likes them. They're, you know, it makes people look bad, but they still like them. I, they don't know why they like them, and they but they put them in their ears. You see what I'm saying? Uh, except for the ear part. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, anywho. So, look, you've had a big week. You've yeah, had I did. interviews with presidential candidates Yang, Bennett, and Buttigieg. Yes. So I would like you to kind of summarize your general impression of the three of them or compare and contrast them. What's your take on them? Headline news on each um, of them. All right. Here's the deal. So first I interviewed Michael Bennett, which is someone who you're a big fan of and yeah. spent time with. Super brainy. And you can hear it. He's super brainy. In any other world, he would be the leading presidential candidate, you know, in any yeah. other era, but not this era because things have changed so drastically. He's very smart. He has lots of great ideas about, you know, I don't want to say the word real Americans, but he thinks about other things besides the ongoing fracas in Washington, D.C., between Trump and the world, essentially. And so, although he does participate in it, he's really just has lots of great ideas. He was an education director, run their education in Colorado. He's mm-hmm. got, you know, he's just, he's great. He's really great. I thought that was really good. I think he's never going to be president. Yeah. I feel like he's secretary of right. blank. Right. What about if what. Kamala is a nominee, could he be a veep? Yeah, he could be. He certainly could be. I think that you would see her picking someone maybe like Mayor Pete, who I asked him directly if he was running for vice president. You know what I mean? That's what it felt like to me. It was a question that just it didn't pop out of my head, but I think about that a lot with him. He was great. He's, you know, as advertised, he's he's super smart. He's adorable. He has paragraph answers for everything. He's, he thinks this very is Mayor fast Pete, on his right? feet. Yeah, Mayor Pete. Yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Bennett seems like a kind of a a cool, real dude that you would know, like your dad or your uncle, a really good uncle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Pete Buttigieg feels a little bit more sort of baked. And I, I used a quote that was used about him 
that idea that, you know, if you had to build a candidate, an anti-Trump candidate, this mm-hmm. is what you'd build, essentially. And I could see that. He pushed back on that concept. You know, he's got the military. He's got gay but not too gay. And that was, of course, a controversy on the Internet this week, too. He's just someone like he's sort of a very non- someone calm him a, character. Someone referred to him as a non-carbonated gay. And then there was that art, <laughs> awful article in uh, – what was it? The New Republic? New Republic Mary by Pete? Dale Peck. Yeah. That was God, terrible. That was really uh, rough. I read buried that. in that terrible article, there were some really good points, you know, about how it feels like a cooked candidate. Yeah. Anyway, it was an interesting. I really enjoyed talking to him. And he certainly – he had just done the Douglas plan, which was dealing with issues around African Americans in this country. And then he talked a little bit about tech. I got the sense that he didn't quite – he's got some smart ideas on it, but he's sort of very middle of the road on the mm-hmm. tech stuff. And then he, he sort of popped up with this idea that he liked right to be forgotten, which yeah. I found And you pushed back fascinating. on that. Yeah, because I don't think he knew what he was – I think he was referring to data ownership. Mm -hmm. But he was using the right to be forgotten, which, of course, would be impossible to implement in this country because of the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think he's a very quick study, and I think he understands the issues. I don't think tech is one of his biggest issues. Again, middle of the road with breaking them up, middle of the road with – you know, he's a centrist candidate, it seems like. And I, I enjoyed the interview, and and he certainly has enormous amounts of fans. And we went back and forth. I think I pushed him more than most people do. Um, Andrew you know, Yang. Just like, what about Yang? Sorry. Tyler's Andrew Yang. Yang, 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 Yang. Um, hashtag Yang, Yang. I really enjoyed this interview. I thought yeah. he was, you know, I know there's issues around Venture for America and whether it was successful or not. And he's got a lot of like really crazy right wing fans who he decries, by the way, yeah. who really like his idea around universal basic income. And we talked a lot about that. I think it's called the Freedom Dividend. Right. And very interesting, a smart guy who really does a good job in a more substantive discussion. I can't mm-hmm. imagine, you know, he even talked about being on the stage, how it's impossible to get his ideas out because they're so complicated and substantive. They're not complex. You could understand them. But anyway. I mean, we'll see. I don't think Andrew has much of a chance of making it. But here's the thing. He's injected into the public debate this notion of universal guaranteed income. I don't like it, but it's an important issue because this notion of trying to figure out an expeditious way to kind of level up Americans who are struggling. Mm -hmm. uh, And that's how I think of universal guaranteed income, although I don't Mm -hmm. like the idea of any way – discouraging work, if you will, but he's injected it, it into the bloodstream. Work. I think you should listen to this part because I think he has a concept around it that is, mm-hmm. you know, it frees people to try to become entrepreneurial by taking burdens off of them. But, you know. Because they have enough to pay basic rent, they can take more risks. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting, you should listen to the podcast because he really does. I'm not, like you, I'm a little bit dubious about it. But he was making some very good arguments mm-hmm. about who removes people from welfare. It takes away other costs if people yeah. can create jobs. One of his best examples, I think, is, it reminded me of you in a lot of ways. Oddly enough, Andrew. Really? Go on. You. Yes. Go yes, on. Yes, comp- <laughs> yes. He pushed back on me a lot. I was like, listen, yeah. dude, you're supposed to be subservient to my needs here in this interview. Now you're um, talking but- my language. Now you're <laughs> talking was- my language. When I was pushing back on universal basic income, he said, you know, when companies give out dividends to people, stop yeah. touching. Scott is in our podcast booth and he's touching the, the sides of the Oh, my God. You can that's, see that's, me? That's noise canceling. What is stuff. this, a Facebook pivot camera? What else have you <laughs> yes, seen? Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so scary that you can you. see me right now. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. All right. So he was saying, like, when companies give shareholders yep. money back as dividends, nobody asks how they're going to spend it. Right. And he feels like it'll put money all over the country that can be spent anyway. And we shouldn't question how it's spent. We should just say it's being spent. Yeah. And so it creates an economic boom in places that don't have money and stuff. Anyway, he's an interesting guy. Well, he's captured the imagination of a lot of your cohorts out there in Silicon Valley. He's raised a ton of money. 
Yeah, he has. The only thing I said is I'm a Silicon Valley reporter for many, many years. I've never met you, so I don't know how you're the Silicon Valley candidate. Oh, because he has not kissed the ring, i.e. the no, ass the of Kara Swisher. I mean, he never is that was what you're around saying? here. Like, he's an <laughs> entre- entrepreneur. And stuff oh, like. my he is an entrepreneur. But anyway, he was great. I was really impressed. Uh, no. We ended up having some dinner afterwards. And I really – he's got a lot of super fans too, which I yeah. think is, in- is interesting. So when does the little dog get to go mm-hmm. to the big dog park? When do I get to interview one of these candidates? When well, do you they, invite me? What do you want to do? You you name. You want to do Elizabeth Warren with me? Come on. Oh, she's you so smart. Come. I'm scared of her. Um, no, well, I think I want to do. Of her. I she's think tall. I want to do. She's I think tall. Biden. She could kick I think I'd like to do you, Biden. Obviously, I'd feel more comfortable with an old white guy. Okay. All right. If I get Biden, you're coming. How about that? I'm in. I'm in with Joe. All right. But what? I miss the good person ones. You'd like to interview. I think you sit, all you sit here and complain, and then you don't have any options. I think they're all pretty good. Bernie would be really interesting. Oh, I like all of them. Bernie and you and me. That would be good. Right? The burn? Kara. Let's fill the burn. Okay. We'll try to get burned for you. Okay? But you're scared of Elizabeth Warren. Noted. Noted. Anyways, they're all really good. And the bar is so low. And speaking of bar being low, uh, Trump this week, the tweet, as I predicted in the New York Times that he would be using Twitter to do things like this. And then he turned around. And made me look like a genius here. So what do you think of this tweet? Yeah, I know what you said. uh, Look. Go uh, back to your own country, whatever. I'm just shocked that we're shocked that we find out the president is a racist and also I think more disappointing. So Michelle Wolf, the comedian who's kind of my favorite kind of comedian in the world right now, had this really interesting analogy. And that is that you thought – you heard mom was an alcoholic back in the 60s and then you're at spring Mm -hmm. recital and her purse – accidentally slips open and out bursts 40 mini bottles of Jack Daniels. And you're like, oh, shit, mom's still an alcoholic. <laughs> I feel as if we're all coming to grips with the fact that the United States is still pretty racist. Mm-hmm. And we keep waiting for his supporters and a bunch of his constituents to come out and be outraged. And so right. we pass these dumb resolutions censoring him or trying to shame him. And what do you know? It's along party lines. And the reality is so early 40s when your and my parents were alive – We had government officials show up to a dentist's office in Los Angeles and say, hey, we need you to sell your practice for 10 cents on the dollar and then show up to this camp with your family behind Mm -hmm. barbed wire. And and their crime for that was uh, they were Japanese. And that wasn't that long ago. You know, we've institutionalized racism with our economic policies, with our uh, three strikes you're out from candidates who are supposedly liberal, uh, Clinton. So the notion that we're shocked that somehow a president who's overtly racist as opposed to kind of quietly racist uh, is in the White House, I'm just shocked we're so shocked. And this resolution condemning him that goes along party lines does absolutely nothing but distract us from the real issues we need to be discussing. So, yes, he's a racist. Get over it. Now get on to telling people of color and everyone else how we're going to economically empower them, which is the key to getting rid of this racist bullshit because we're a tribal species and people always find reasons to hate each other. What you got to do is economically empower people. Anyway. You're right. It's, it's it's overt. Everything he does is overt. I mean, of course, Eric Trump, the, the village idiot today, was like 95 percent of people agree with him. I don't think that is the case in any way. I do think yeah, there's a deep vein of racism that has never left. But put a percentage on it. I have a percentage. What do you think it is? What do you think – what percentage of people do you think are – likely exhibit when their actions and their behaviors are somewhat fundamentally racist? What percentage do you think it is? Not 95 percent. 
In the U.S., uh, what no. would you say it is? I think it's like 20, and then yeah. there's another 30 that are like, oh, he has a point. You know, quietly, oh, he has a point kind of thing, or yeah. maybe 30. My mother loves Fox, and so I didn't talk to her for days because I didn't want to hear her insult the yeah. squad and stuff. I just didn't want to listen to her. And when I got her on the phone, and she goes, I'm so sick of this. I'm like, oh, here it comes. And she goes... Trump and his cronies are just the worst. And she never does that. Like, she's like, I'm so sick of this. Like, it was really yeah. interesting. So I do think most people don't like get out of this country. I don't think anybody likes that anymore. I think most people are like, what? Like, everybody's from somewhere else. So there's certain parts of it, I think, that do appeal to people. And then there's others that are like, that's just crazy. What I think of this whole thing is, as I, I think I tweeted this, he was accused of rape. He lost the census citizen question, and he apparently hard parties with a pedophile, and he needed something. It's like, what can I do to get the focus off this? What is the craziest thing? Right. So Look I think here. he's message testing 2020. I think that's well clear. Um, and so we did this, and that's that's what we're talking about. And there, here we are. What about Peter Thiel going after Google? <laughs> All right. We'll move on to Peter Thiel from Peter the Thiel. situation. Honestly, this guy, this guy, he suddenly crawls out of his troll hole, by the way. Yeah. He's been quiet for a while. If you've noticed, he's been super quiet. And, you know, here he is, board member of Facebook, someone involved with Palantir and right. all kinds of things that have been problematic going after Google's way. It's the only way I look at it is that Palantir wants government contracts at, that they're competing with Google on. And he wants to FUD up the situation. That's the only that's the only thing I can say. And, of course, he goes to his friend Tucker Carlson, who was eat it up with a spoon. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Peter Thiel saying that he's worried about Google being co-opted by the Chinese and that this is near treasonous. A board member of Facebook saying that is literally similar to Jeffrey Epstein saying he's disturbed by the documentary on Michael Jackson. It's yeah. just, okay, boss. <laughs> like, that's exactly You're right. just not really in a position of moral authority to be criticizing other big tech. I, I just, you got it. It's just incredible that he would, I would imagine the other Facebook board members are giving him the same advice that Albert Brooks gave William Hurt in Broadcast News when he said, what do you do when your reality exceeds your wildest imagination? And Albert Brooks says, keep it to yourself. This right. guy should the keep only those thing is, thoughts to They himself. don't do anything because they didn't do anything during the Gawker thing. I had, I forget, it was Cheryl or Mark on stage asking about when Peter went after Gawker secretly. And I had the problem with he's a board member of a company that's trying really hard to help publishers or say they are and then there's board members secretly suing one out of business and they're like well peter does what he wants there's nothing to do with facebook that's usually their position on peter Thiel. it seems like he can do what he wants separately from a, it's nothing separate with peter Thiel. yeah he's a unique individual i don't it's very hard to put your finger on him i loved his book zero to one uh, but yeah, yeah he's an odd duck there's just no getting very. around it i don't i don't see how that calculus pays off for facebook or all I could think him. of was what agenda is going – which of the many agendas that Peter Thiel was happening here? There's so many to choose from and they're all nefarious in some fashion. And I was like, which one? Why now? Why does he suddenly get loud when he was quiet before? What's his move? And he's so – he talk about a chess player. I don't even think I can figure out what his grand move is. And I think you know, you'll see more of him as the election goes forward. But it's interesting that he just pops up. I was like, whoa, hi, you again, it. Like, you know, there they're making is. it too, another version of it. That's what I feel like the clown is. Uh, it's the guy that. with the hockey mask and the chainsaw. Wait, we weren't expecting you back. <laughs> back so there you are. Uh, and then the last thing, did you see the testimony? Is his name David Marcus, the guy who's head of Libra yes, or David, Calibra? He's a lovely guy. Oh, you like him? He's nice? 
He's a nice guy, yes. Yeah, but he claims that his argument has gone to this nationalist argument that, well, if we don't do it, a foreign company right. is going to do this. It's like, well, yeah, from what I understand, there's other American companies. I mean, J.P. Morgan or Amazon could do this. And it's this so is funny. Libra. This is face. He's running Facebook's Libra. Yeah, he's running, he's running Libra. By the way, for all of you, supposedly a lot of people in Silicon Valley listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. If you're Thank working you. for Libra, you are literally heading to work this morning to waste your life. Yeah. It's <laughs> okay. It's as if, like, the only thing I could think of to, to better waste your efforts and finite time on this planet is to transfer into the pivot camera division. There is absolutely no way any government is going to allow Facebook, who brought the weaponization of our elections and teen depression, control of our economy. It's just, it's incredibly impressive that they would delude themselves into thinking this thing's going to go anywhere. So high Facebook execs heading up whatever it is, that horrible high with no cell phone coverage, today just doesn't count for you. 280. 280. Yeah. To nowhere. That's the highway. To nowhere. All right. But speaking of Facebook, the fine that came, you know, I oh visited, uh, I was at the FTC last week, but I figured this was coming down. The the, the fine that we got was exactly the, the slap on the wrist. And yeah. it looks like they didn't even uh, have to do much for it. So thoughts? Scott Gallery, I'd like to hear a rant because you did that at this book party. You did a nice rant and scared. By the way, I've gotten more reports that you terrified all this, the Washington people and thrilled them at the same time. I like it. So look, this was, this seriously was almost perfect. And all we were missing from this being restoring restoring faith in our government from the public, uh, creating a series of incentives and disincentives around the algebra of deterrence to create better behavior. The only thing that was missing here was simple. What was missing was nothing. Specifically, what was missing, Kara, was a zero. And that yeah. is if the fine had been $50 billion versus $5 billion, Facebook has $40 billion on cash. In cash, they would have been able to pay it, but they would have had to issue debt. The stock would have gone from 205 to 80 Mark Zuckerberg's wealth would have been cut from $60 billion to $25 billion. And I, trust me on this, within 90 days, they would have figured out 80, 80% of these problems. Because it's one thing for them to be shamed. They don't give a shit. It's one thing for them to be called in front of Congress. They send their high-priced lawyers. It's another thing for their wealth to be cut by two-thirds. They would have figured this shit out. So this was almost perfect, almost perfect, minus a zero. The $50 billion fine could have happened. Well, you know what? The world is what we make of it. These fines used to be tens or hundreds of millions. Now they're in the billions. And one of our predictions was that you're going to see a $10 billion plus fine out of the EU, which seemed crazy two years ago. And it's about to happen. And who is it going to happen against? It's going to happen against Amazon. We're going to see our first $10 billion plus fine Q4 or Q1 of next year from our ultimate gangster, well, Let's get to that in Margaret next when we come back. I agree with you, Scott. I was like, oh, of course, this is what they got. And it, it actually tells them to break the law again. Like, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't, that's the price of it. And that's uh, going to be a problem because they should be. Stock was up. To bear. Stock was up Stock the day was it was up. announced. All right. We'll do wins and fails and predictions right after the break. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. 
If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We're back and I'm here with Scott Galloway. All right, we're going to do wins and fails now. Scott, what is your win this week? So my win is Rep. Ayanna Presley uh, and her tweet responding to the president's comments, attacking her and other congresswomen of color. She, she said, and I quote, I encourage the American people and all of us not to take the bait. This is a disruptive distraction from the issues of care, concern, and consequence. And I think she's exactly right. I think that mm-hmm. the Democrats, if they're going to take back the White House, the, the outrage and the indignance at the president isn't going to get them the White House. It's going to be, all right, what do we do to solve some of the problems of our own making, of his making? But uh, all right, enough already. Yeah, fine. Clap back. When you say, tell me to go home, that means I go home to Michigan or wherever. Show how stupid it is. And then move on and start focusing. Start playing offense as opposed to defense. And I think she gets it. So my win is Representative Presley. Who's your win? My win, I got, I got to say, this week, one thing, this was such a bad week of Twitter and news and everything else. It was just yeah. the worst. And then uh, Monica Lewinsky did a tweet that made me so happy. I couldn't stand it. Someone, I think it Monica? was uh, Adam Grant, you know, the handsome Adam Grant. Yeah, the better version of me. Best yeah. in you in so many ways. Yeah. He said, what career advice did someone give you that was a mistake? And yeah. Monica Lewinsky replied uh, that working at the White House would look good on my resume. Working yeah. at the summer intern at the White House, look at him. And she just left and she just dropped it like that and moved along. And I thought, I, I really love Monica Lewinsky. I think she's yeah, handled she's herself thoughtful. probably the Smart. most classy woman in America, given all the shit that's been rained down on her. And I yeah, just thought it was just fantastic. Maybe no, that's good stuff. Today. That's good stuff. That's a nice win. And your fail? My fail. Oh, God, so many fails. So many. You know, th- again, Twitter. Twitter and letting this happen go on and on. But probably, you know, how little we've heard from the tech companies with this ongoing weaponization of these platforms. You know, Mm -hmm. they seem to have been trying to stay out of the way. And I I want them to step up more. They're not going to. And I sit there and wait for them to do so, you know, in that regard. And then on a minor fail, that New Republic piece about Pete Buttigieg, um, I do see I think I think the failure wasn't so much the writer because he mm-hmm. is what he is. He, he his, his book was called Hatchet Jobs, so you know what you're going to get from him. But it was a failure on the editors of the New Republic to put it up and then take it down. Like, why did they put it up? Why didn't they edit it? There's all kinds of things going on. So I thought that was the fail for me this week to watch that. And I, and in this day and age, when so many things are so twitchy and quick, not to understand how that would be done was I just don't even understand where that editing failure happened. I like it. Okay, so my fail. So my fail starts with a question, Kara. I'm an investor in several private companies, and let's say one of them just went crazy and was Google, and overnight I was a billionaire. 
So as a 54-year-old white heterosexual billionaire, does that mean I'm <laughs> obligated to run for president or qualified in your view? No, Tom Steyer, you're not. There you go. So my loss this week is Tom Steyer, who's running for president for no other fucking reason than he's in his 50s white and a billionaire. His entire rap is reheated Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, where he blames corporations for co-opting the government. No, boss. Corporations are inanimate legal entities. It's rich people as yourself that have probably co-opted Washington. Literally absolutely nothing to add to the debate. But you know what? These guys, if they're... If they're Commonwealth, if they're interested in the Commonwealth, this is this is literally the Full Employment Act for local TV stations and political consultants. He says he's going to spend $100 million taking oxygen away from other people who actually know how to govern. He and Howard Schultz should get in a room and say, OK, tell you what, you're white. You're a billionaire. I know you should run for president. No, you should run for president. No, you should run for president. And then they should blow each other and go home. And they should take that quarter of a billion dollars that they're going to spend – on media, and they should do something that actually helps the world. They should spend it on voter registration. They should take a quarter of a billion dollars and give it to Planned Parenthood if they're really interested in the advancement of women and people of color. But the notion that literally like, well, I'm white and I'm a billionaire. So that's my calling to be president. All right. It just seems right. ridiculous. It's like, where, where, who told them this? That's my, my fail Tom Steyer. I feel that's a good one. And really, we're going to, I think he should take the money and do something else with it. I agree with you. And he can do whatever he wants with his money, but you're right. It's just sort of like, why now? I think they feel that maybe there's a point to get in here. Like, this is the point to get in. You know, if you, if, if they have something did, different I feel to say, so much better, right? Bloomberg, you did know, it, you'd I, be happy. Howard Schultz, uh, my sense is he's a great guy. What is different about what he said? What is different? If they had a message, fine. What is different about their message that's not already being said by people who have governed? Actually, right, but I'm just going to contrast. If Bloomberg yep. said he was jumping in, how would you feel? He's he spent 12 years running the 11th largest nation in the world with huge success. Right. He's qualified. Yeah, yep. he's qualified. Okay. All right, all right. I agree with you. I'm, I'm I'm with you on this one. All right, predictions. So you made a little one before. You made a tiny little prediction before. Um, but let's let me ask you one. One of the things yep. is a Lion King from Disney. You love you love yourself some Bob Iger, as you discussed yeah. last week or the week before. Um, pre-release reviews are bad. It looks kind of creepy. It definitely does. But Aladdin live action made three hundred thirty-two million dollars domestically so far, and yeah. it had mixed reviews too. What is your prediction, Mister Media? Doesn't matter. Everyone's going to see it. Anyone with kids is going to go see anything that says Disney on it. And if you don't see it in the theaters, you're going to see it at home. And your kids immediately – just look at the way your kids respond to the graphics and the coloring and the visual identity that connotes Disney or Pixar. It means that you watch it. It could get zero stars or zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And at some point, they're going to monetize it because their brand is so consistently – stands for outstanding quality, you know, a real genuine concern about the well-being of children in terms of not weaponizing their platform. Have you ever been to Disneyland? Yes, I was forced there by Bob Iger. He made me go. He wouldn't come to code until I went. And then they filmed me there it's, as a hostage video. I feel like that was what he literally had a film crew of me getting on all the rides. And every time I turned around, there was a film crew there writing. And I said, like, help, help me, let me out. I was doing it with my eyes and stuff like that. And, um, and then I called it the unhappiest place on earth to him. We go back and forth. I went on a Disney cruise too. He forced me on one of those too. What did you think of the Disney cruise? Great. That was great. Yeah. There was constant soft serve ice cream. I don't know what else to say. That It was perfect. It was so clean and so well done. Um, one of that weird island they made is a little creepy. But <laughs> otherwise, it was a flawless. That was a flawless experience with children, I must say. 
That's one of the way, many ways I can tell I'm getting older. The idea of a cruise doesn't sound horrific to me anymore. I'm I like, hate well, cruises. Wake up in a different that city. Yeah. So, I look, I don't think it matters. Back to Disney. They get so many do-overs or foul balls because they're just so outstanding. And, and kids, you know, we all go see almost everything. So anything from a credible organization like Disney and kids is going to – they're going to monetize the heck out of it. Yeah, so you I, like I don't the Disney. You live down near the Disney, right? You're kind of near. Yeah, I live near Disney, but my favorite is next to Disney. It's Harry Potter World. It's, that's incredible. Yes. That's the best uh, of its kind. It's incredible. And I don't even like the genre. weird. I'm sorry. I was forced to do that too. Anyway, um, any other predictions? Well, w- revisiting a prediction, I don't know if it was six or nine months ago, but we said when Facebook was at 150 bucks that despite all the controversy, the stock was going to be at 250 And the moment I said that, it dove to 130 Mm-hmm. And now it's back at 205, and I'm doubling down. I think this stock goes to um, continues is up another 20% by the end of the year. Because if you look at the business, and occasionally I check in and I try and use their tools from the lens of an advertiser, and it's mm-hmm. just staggering how how incredibly strong it is. And if you've seen another prediction revisiting, we said that the day that uh, all the big tech stocks declined and lost the value of Airbus, that they were going to gain back the v- value of Boeing. And I don't know if you've noticed, but in the last yeah. Two and a half weeks, they've more than gained back the value of Boeing. Their stocks have ripped up to near highs again. Um, yeah, all of them. Amazon's, yeah, Amazon's above a trillion dollars. So I'm just doubling back down to that prediction that Facebook's going to touch Facebook, 250. What about Google? Google? I don't know about Google. Uh, relative to the others, Google actually probably looks the cheapest because it hasn't had the run-up of the others. But I don't feel as if I understand the business well enough to make a prediction. Any uh, others? Breakout, uh, Uber, any of the others you think are going to break out? You can include well, no, you know my view on Uber and Lyft, but no, I think the stock that is going to continue to um, rise is Zoom. I think Zoom has um, got all the, the network effects, the explosive growth, and uh, the recurring revenue that's required to become kind of a two, three hundred billion dollar company. So Zoom is my kind of gangster. So the stock camera company, the not a the camera issue, not an issue for you. Oh no, speed bump. Media focused on it. Nobody's de- deinstalling. I mean, they can't do that. They can't do that a bunch of times. But yeah, once once they get a they get a do over, hundred percent. All right, all right, Scott. So I'm going to call it since you're now going to interview a presidential candidate with me, which should be comical in every aspect, and you have to like ask good questions, etc. You have to prepare for it. I'm going to call out all the major presidential candidates. We are talking to a lot of them, but come on, recode yeah. decode. You'll get Scott as a bonus. You guys can request him if you'd like. (laughs) Bonus. Oh, my God. That was generous. A bonus. You sure I'm not a punishment? I like that. I don't know. Who said he was going to be here? Who said he was going to be here? Right. Oh, should we do Beto? Why don't you just do Beto by yourself? Why don't you? I just don't think I could handle it. I just don't think I could handle it, Kara. I think I'd faint. I think I'd be like one of those Beatles fans, those girls in the 60s that just pass out and they're trying to revive them. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'll, okay, Beto. I'll do Beto. Yeah, I can All do right. Beto. Okay, all yeah. right. We're Beto. We're yeah, Beto. Is it Beto or Beto? Uh, I think it's Beto. Whatever. It's man boy. Okay, man boy and you yeah. and me, it'll be great. And then I will keep saying man boy to both of you until you give, essentially. Wait, so so just some quick questions on the three sure. candidates. Right. We're in the Situation Room and someone's launched a nuclear projectile. Who? Which of those three people you interviewed, Yang, Bennett, or uh, Buttigieg, would you want in that room making the decisions on how to respond to a nuclear a nuclear projectile being launched? Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett. Who do you think has the most empathy for Americans? And and I think empathy is key. I think that was President Clinton's core competence. So I think at the end of the day, he really did want to help people. Who do you think has the most empathy for middle class Americans? Michael Bennett. I'm going to stop asking you questions. Keep asking another one. See if I can name another one. Who's who the most? Would you want to, best ideas who would you want to date? You? 
Who would you want to take to a wedding and make out with uh, after you get drunk? <laughs> Zero. Zero to zero. zero. You said to keep going. I'm you not, said to keep no, going. You got to pick one. Question. Is not a make You got to pick one. Candidates. What the heck? No. Jeez. They're just men. All They're right. Just men. Keep moving along. They give me one more good question. I can answer someone else. Best ideas. Andrew Yang. I like his innovative mind. I like. I think he's who is. Who do you think is most likely to not only have great ideas but be effective? And that is, there's a big difference between being right and being effective in Washington. Who would be most effective in getting legislation passed? Mm. Kamala Harris. <laughs> Kamala Harris. I just, th- you there know, you go. I just Kamala there you Harris. go. There's your, there's your gal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, we'll see. We're going to get them all on, and I'm so excited you're going to do Good. it with me, Scott. It's going to be so much Good. fun. Anyway, we will be back next week. Again, I'll be here in San Francisco. You're going to be in New York? Yes, I'm going to be in New York. Cool, but I'll be in New York soon, and you, I will see you then. And I'm going to, to go out finally, I think, probably. Probably not. Yeah, Maybe. probably not. Probably well, not. Well, we have a live pivot. We have a live pivot, which is sold out. Sold out? Sold out. I know. Oh, my gosh. Out. Scott is upset. Oh, my gosh. Sold Did out. you know something? There's actually, you can get a ticket on StubHub, and someone's trying to mark them up. Really? That's right. They're coming to see the big dog play <laughs> with his ball at the park. <laughs> Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, no, I mean, it, it's going to be a great show. We do a great job at live events. We did a great one at Code. They're we did fun. a great one at South by Southwest. And, yeah, they're uh, fun. And this one's going to be a lively evening with the two of us, correct? Yeah, it's going to be great. Who would have thought these things are fun? This will be our third. They are. Yes. They really are they're fun. Really, we're going to do a ton more all around the country, and we'll coordinate our outfits later. All right. Camila Salazar produced our show today. Nishat Kurwa is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Eric Johnson and Eric Anderson. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast. If you like this week's episode, leave us a review. You can also email us if you have any thoughts on the show or suggestions of topics you'd like us to hear us discuss. Pivot at VoxMedia.com. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.